Hello and welcome to the ninth episode of the Fanville Hockey Podcast. I'm your host, Tyler. I'm joined by our co-host and producer, Evan, and our other co-host, Dakota. How are you guys doing? A lot of different stuff happened this week, and it's just like, super exciting to get new stuff in here to talk about. So what about you, Dakota? Yeah, NHL had quite an eventful week, so I was really ready to get to it and talk about some NHL. Th- yeah, this was quite the eventful week. A lot of stuff happened, and a lot of good, some sad, and we're going to begin the news off with a little bit of the sad. Wayne Gretzky, his father, Walter Gretzky, passed away at the age of 82. He was born in 1938. He just passed away this week. And to quote Wayne Gretzky, uh, this is from his Twitter profile. You can check this out on his Twitter. It's with deep sadness that Janet and I share the news of the passing of my dad. He battled Parkinson's and other health issues these last few years, but he never let it get him down. For my sister and three brothers, dad was our captain. He guided protected, and led our family every day, every step of the way. For me, he was the reason I fell in love with the game of hockey. He inspired me to be the best I could be, not in, not just in the game of hockey, but in life. We will miss him so much, but know that he's back with mom, and that, and that brings me and my family peace. He truly was the great one and the proudest Canadian we know. Here at the Fanville Podcast, our deepest condolences go out to the Gretzky family, and everyone affected, the whole community, everything. To honor Walter Gretzky, we will be taking a 99-second moment of silence in remembrance of Walter Gretzky. Thank you. The NHL is proposing changes to the draft lottery that would see teams limited to no more than two lottery wins in a five-year period, and whenever this would go into effect, which would be at earliest 2022, that's when like the start period begins. So say 
New York Rangers. They they could win like the first two in like 2022 and 2023 while they had like the 2021 first overall. They could do that. But yeah, teams will be limited to no more than two lottery wins in a five-year period with this new draft lottery proposal. And teams are only allowed to jump 10 spots with a lottery win. So anyone not in that top 10, pretty much you're not going to win the lottery. And there's going to be a reduction in the number of picks decided by lottery from 3 to 2. Montreal, the Canadians fired another coach this week. This time it was Stehan Waite, the goalie coach for the Canadians. Montreal has appointed Sean Burke as the director of goaltending for the time being. The Calgary Flames fired head coach Jeff Ward after a 11-10-3 start. Calgary named former head coach of the franchise Daryl Sutter as Ward's replacement, and Sutter also picked up a three-year contract. So Daryl Sutter comes back behind the bench in Calgary. He led them to the 2004 Stanley Cup Final. They lost by one goal in Game 7 to Tampa Bay. So it's some unfinished business. He likes... He he wants to get taken care of, and he's he's pretty good with getting teams, unexpected teams to a cup final. I mean Calgary, the Kings twice, and they won except Calgary, but he's back there. Chicago Blackhawks defenseman Brent Seabrook announced his retirement due to back-related injuries. Seabrook has a four-year, six point eight seven five dollar, yeah yeah six point eight five. Eight seven five dollars That's all he gets. No. $6.875 million contract. He'll be placed on the long-term injury reserve. He was drafted 14th overall in the 2003 NHL draft by Chicago. In 15 seasons, all with Chicago, he had 1,114 games played, 103 goals, 361 assists for 464 points in the regular season. In the playoffs, he had... 123 games played, 20 goals, 39 assists, and that's good enough for 59 points. And his name was on the Stanley Cup three times, counted it, three. Seabrook also played the World Juniors Tournament for Team Canada's under-20 teams in 2003 and 2004. Also, speaking on the subject of Chicago and core players who have won multiple cups with Chicago, we forgot to mention last week, Patrick Kane did score his 400th goal. He's one of the few American players to do so, and one of the few NHL players just in general to do so, so congrats to Patty Kane, too. St. Louis Blues, they announced that they will be activating forward Vladimir Tarasenko off of the long-term injury reserve. Tarasenko will play in his first season game since October 24th, 2019, which was over 500 days before he played again. He has had three shoulder surgeries in the last 32 months. Not not good. He played his first game against LA on March 6th and recorded... He, he was a minus two that game, so not too good. And that was the, the game where LA came back after being down 3-0. Uh, he had four shots on goal, and he had one hit in that game. 16-25, time on ice. Florida Panthers defenseman Keith Yandel... He played his 1,000th NHL game this week, and he's the current active Ironman leader in the NHL. 
where he's played 890 straight games. More good news? There are now 17 teams allowed to have fans. Tampa Bay announced this week that they will be having fans come into the building. Going on to COVID-19 news, there's some positive news. Not positive tested, but positive news. Only four players on the NHL COVID protocol list. That's Colorado's defenseman Dennis Gilbert, Pittsburgh forward Colton Skevier, San Jose forward Tomas Hurdle, and San Jose forward Marcus Sorensen. Notable injuries the past week. Ottawa's Derek Stepan, he's out for the season with a shoulder injury. Nashville forward Ryan Ellis, he'll be back early to mid-April. He's out with an upper body injury. Nashville forward Matt Duchesne, he's out three to five weeks with a lower body injury. New Jersey forward Nico Heischer, the new captain, he's out week to week with a sinus fracture. Anaheim defenseman Hampus Lindholm, he's out six weeks with a fractured wrist. And Boston defenseman Brandon Carlo, he's out week to week with an upper body injury. Suspensions and fines, there's quite a few. So, let's look at suspensions. Edmonton forward Alex Chason, he was suspended one game for cross-checking Toronto forward Jimmy Vc in the head-neck area after the game. San Jose forward Joachim Blitchfield, he had been suspended two games for an illegal check to the head of Colorado's forward Nathan McKinnon. And Washington forward Tom Wilson had an in-person meeting over Zoom with the Department of Player Safety, and he was suspended seven games for boarding Boston defenseman Brandon Carlo. Carlo was taken to a hospital in an ambulance right after the hit. And it was a it was a pretty bad hit. Boarding? I don't know about boarding. I, I would say charging. It just kind of seems seven games I think was a little steep, but he is a repeat offender, so that changes your whole entire perspective. Boarding, I like Tyler said, I don't think it was boarding. It could be charging or head contact would be what I would go for if I was looking to suspend him. This is the first in-person meeting that the Department of Player Safety has had, even though it was over Zoom, but they still call it the in-person. I don't think it was too much, as you said. I think he deserved more games because this was a violent hit. I mean, he... It was just his whole intention. It was just to injure, and I I hated the play. I thought I thought he deserved more games, not not a whole lot more, but seven games. You know, it's better than nothing. I, the NHL has been pretty spotty with their suspensions in the past few seasons, so I'll take seven games on that hit. Personally, I I expected more games. I don't know if you guys seen what Ovechkin said about it. But his statement was, no one wants to hurt a player and do a dirty hit. But I think it's kind of a joke because we were talking to refs after the first period. I didn't even think it was a two-minute penalty. It was a hard hit. The fact he only thought it wasn't even a two-minute penalty, I don't agree with that at all. It was should have been more than a two-minute penalty. It's a suspension. And they didn't even call it a penalty. I would have called it a major. He should have been out of the game. But they didn't call anything. Play on the ice just kept going. Like, like looking at a replay, like we have the privilege of looking at replay, but like refs don't have that. So I think they saw it. It was just a normal hit, maybe from behind, which is why he has boarding. But I don't think they noticed the head contact, which would have probably warranted very large penalty. Yeah, I. Whenever looking back at this penalty that wasn't called and 
Joachim Blitchfield's penalty against Nathan McKinnon. I, it was smart for the refs just to call it a five-minute major on the ice right away. Just call it a five-minute major because major penalties can be reviewed. You can have that replay just to make sure. The fact that there was no penalty called on this where a guy got injured, he was sent off, had to go to the hospital, and nothing was called, it kind of blows my mind. And the puck was right there, so it's not like it was away from the play and the refs weren't really looking at it. The puck was in that area. Yeah, so that was just kind of a mess. But NHL did right and suspended him after the game. We have a few fines as well this week. Carolina forward Nino Niederreiter was fined $5,000, the maximum under the CBA, for goalie interference on Nashville goaltender UC Saros. Carolina's defenseman Brett Pesci, he was fined $5,000 for a dangerous trip on Detroit forward Robbie Fabry, who has had a history of leg injuries. So Washington forward Alex Ovechkin, he was fined $5,000 for spearing Trent Frederick. And this dude had some flex. This was a, a cup check sort of tap. It, it, it was spearing. I was, was there a penalty on the play? No. Yeah. These refs, well, they were they were really far behind the play. They were kind of lacking. For a major league, you know, you, you expect better, but man, that you missed a suspension and a fine type of penalty in the same game. This against Ovechkin, I don't even think I think it should have been a suspension, not even just a fine. I think they should have suspended him for it cuz I mean, you find him, it's not really shit to Ovechkin. It's $5,000, and he makes millions of dollars, so it doesn't really affect him that much. So it kind of, he probably don't care and probably do it again if he wanted to. So you suspend him, it kind of puts the, puts a kind of roll on there to, hey, don't do that again. But you find him, probably really doesn't give a fuck about it. Well, you could say that about any fine. I mean, 5000 is the max under the CBA now. I don't understand with these fines of just $5,000. I think suspending games, even if it's just one game, I think that will do more than just a $5,000 fine. Yeah, it's, a, it's an odd percentage thing, especially with this year. And it, it is an agreement by the NHL and the NHLPA. So the players look at this and like, yeah, we want this sort of thing to be happening. And looking back at these these actions from this week where we're going to kind of look specifically at, I guess, Ovechkin with this $5,000 fine, it really is nothing. I mean, he could buy, like, two coffees and then just spill them, be like, okay, that's my $5,000 fine. That, like, to the average person, that's what it's like. I mean, he just, he really didn't do much with losing that much. Kyler Yamamoto, he was fined as well for his dangerous trip. So all of these suspensions and fines, we've not really had much of this, like every once in a while, we'll have like one or two kind of pop up. I think this week, I mean, we have three suspensions, four fines. I think this is starting to come from just playing each other so many times. Like some of these teams have already played four or five games against each other, and I think that's how we're getting. We're getting some bad blood going in the divisions. Do you like that? I like bad blood in the divisions. I'm not a fan of cross-checking someone in the head or hitting someone in the head or. You know, I'm not a big fan of that. I do like my pushing and shoving. Some of these fines, I honestly are kind of surprised they're fines and they're not suspensions. Mainly the Ovechkin and Nino Niederreiter one. I mean, Nino Niederreiter, that one, I think 
that was warranting of many game suspension. He only hit UC Soros' head, and he was targeting it. I'd rather than Tom Wilson hurt Carlo that bad. I'd rather Tom Wilson just fight Carlo rather than doing that. And then Ovechkin with spearing Trent Frederick. I'd rather him just fight him than kind of do that kind of like a dirty action. Just fights more um, equal on both sides. And like the hit on Carlo, like Carlo, where they don't have an opportunity to react. At least with a fight, you have an opportunity to, hey, I'm going to fight you. And it's still a, you know, violent slash physical action that makes a statement. Frederick was, there was, there were moments before that spearing where he dropped the gloves. He wanted to fight Ovi, but Ovechkin just wasn't having it. And I think Frederick was doing the right thing, you know, standing up, being like, hey, like, hey, knock it off sort of thing. And and I only asked, like, did you like that? I, I asked you that, Evan. Because a lot of people, they look at these, this bad blood and like, oh, this is old school hockey. This is like vintage. It's like, okay, yeah, in a lot of aspects, vintage hockey is, is cool and it's fun. But you have to think of these, these players and their health. And these actions were just insane, really. I'm just all for players policing the own, their own game. But you also have to have this side of it where if you you go too far and like some of these weren't done on purpose and some of them are done on accident. It's just what it is. And you have to kind of suffer what happens with what you did. Actions have their own consequences is what you're saying pretty much. Yeah. Like what Dakota said, instead of just fighting or hitting Carlo, why didn't Wilson fight him? If Carlo comes back, that's I would almost assume that's going to happen. Or, like, someone on Boston will stand up for Carlo the next couple games. That series was pretty brutal in terms of physicality, chippiness, and everything, pretty much. So, moving on to notable waivers. Calgary, they placed Derek Ryan and Dominic Simone on waivers. Detroit, they placed Valtteri Filpula on waivers. Pittsburgh put Colton Skivier on waivers. And Dallas placed Justin Dowling on waivers. And looking back at the past week, we, we kind of dived into some games here and there with some of the stories that happened in the past week. But let's look at, like, games of the week. And I'm going to tell you, there are a lot. They're mainly shutouts and comebacks, but this week was really good. I, I loved this week. Normally, we list, like, se- six or seven games from the past week. We got, we got like, six or seven within, like, two days sort of thing. Yeah, only only one day has one game. And that's the first one. So March 2nd, Tampa Bay Lightning versus Dallas Stars. Tampa Bay won this game 2 to nothing, and it's as close as they come. Tampa scored the opening goal in this goalie battle of a game, and it was the only goal allowed by a goalie. Tampa scored the empty netter with about five seconds remaining in the game. Just a good, close game. On March 3rd, the Washington Capitals played the Boston Bruins, as we previously mentioned before. Washington won this game 2-1 to one in the shootout. This is another low-scoring game where scoring didn't occur until the third period when Pasternak scored a little over a minute into the third period. And then Washington's Lars Eller replied with a goal shortly after around the six-minute mark to tie the game. And then Washington would win in the shootout thanks to a, a goal by Verana and three saves by v- Vidic Vinicek. I like that name. It's complicated. On the fourth... There were plenty of great games this day, ranging from the tight but 
big game for the Flyers in the game against the Penguins that ended 4-3 to in regulation where Pittsburgh jumped to a 3-0 lead early in this game and Philadelphia was able to come back throughout the game. The Winnipeg Jets, they beat the Montreal Canadiens 4-3 to in overtime in a back-and-forth game. The Lightning were able to overcome uh, the Blackhawks 3-2 in overtime after falling 2-0 after two periods and they won in overtime with .1 seconds left. The Florida Panthers holding on to beat the National Predators 5-4 in regulation after a comeback attempt by Nashville as they were down 5-2 earlier in the game, but Florida held on to win 5-4. And the Columbus Blue Jackets being able to hold onto their own three-goal lead as the Dallas Stars also attempted a comeback of their own. And the game ended 3-2 in favor of Columbus. On March 5th, the Hawks and Lightning, they win it at it again. One day after their overtime thriller, as Chicago was able to force the shootout this time in this game and win 4-3 in the shootout, the Vegas Golden Knights beat the San Jose Sharks 5-4 in overtime as San Jose forced overtime after being down 4-2 early in the third period. On March 6th, the LA Kings, they improved their winning ways in a comeback win versus the St. Louis Blues. They won this game 4-3 in overtime after being down 3-0 earlier this game. The Anaheim Ducks, they came back in their game against the Colorado Avalanche with a 5-4 overtime win after being down 4-2 midway through the third period. And the Battle of Alberta finally lived up to expectations as the Oilers and Flames they had a really chippy and physical physical game and the Oilers were able to come back against Calgary. The score was 1-1 after two periods and Calgary jumped a 2-1 lead and then Connor McDavid and the Oilers came back with two more goals and Edmonton won this game 3-2. On March 7th, the New Jersey Devils were able to shut down the Boston Bruins in a 1-0 win thanks to Paul Mary goal with under five minutes left in the game and thanks to their goaltender who shut them out and another great goalie battle in that game. The National Predators were able to stave off the Dallas Stars attempt to come back as the Stars tied the game at three apiece after being down three nothing, but the Predators would end up winning the game four to three in a shootout, and the Ottawa Senators they were able to hold on to the Calgary Flames comeback attempt in the game after being down three one as the Senators they won this game four to three in the shootout. So Ottawa was up three to one. Calgary tied the game. Ottawa was able to come out with that win. On the 8th yesterday, the Vancouver Canucks made things pretty interesting in their game against the Montreal Canadiens. Another goalie battle ensued, and Vancouver was able to tie the game at one apiece with under a minute left in the game, and Vancouver would be able to win in the shootout. And then also out west, the Anaheim Ducks defeated their interstate rival, Los Angeles Kings, 6-5 in overtime. As LA, they were able to tie the game at five after being down five to three going into the third period, but Anaheim they were able to get their six to five overtime win. So yeah, there's a lot. I read a book. <laughs> what was your guys' favorite game? Favorite favorite day? I don't know. I'm I mean I love 
all of it, but just the amount of times where teams had a two to three goal lead this week that either vanished and they lost in regulation or they barely held on to and won an OT or a shootout is honestly kind of amazing. <laughs> like there was a lot of games this week that were just really good and as a hockey fan of just the NHL, it's it was almost like you just turn on any game and you're you're watching a good show. My favorite game was Capitals versus Bruins and that two one shootout win by Washington. That was my favorite type of games because None of the scoring happened until the third period, so you're so invested into that third period, and you know anything can happen, and then the scoring starts to happen, and they go into overtime, and it goes to a shootout, and it seems like a really intense game that you're just really invested in. And then this week, just a lot of good goalie play. Um, a lot of goalies starting to catch fire, starting to get on their game. I think the goalies are finally warmed up, and they're ready to play teams themselves are getting really used to each other and they're starting to figure each other out to the point where you get a 3-0 lead early because you figure that team out and then you thought you did but then they change something and they slowly come back like how the Flyers did and well actually many teams did this week but to me the the Flyers game was was a, was a big one because it seemed like Pittsburgh just dominated like everything was going in and Philadelphia's kind of slowly kept chipping away, chipping away, chipping away, and they finally tied them, and then we all know what happens after that. I'm going to bring it back to what Evan said earlier. He said um, a lot of the intensity in the games kind of because they've been playing each other so much, so it's kind of why some of the suspensions and stuff happen. And that might be why some of the games are just so good because they've played each other so much that intensity's starting to ramp up. Now the suspensions and stuff, obviously not good, but the intensity and the scoring and just how intense the games get into that third period and when it gets to the nitty-gritty and stuff just starts going crazy, just good games all around and those third periods are just crazy to look at and the awesome goalie play, just all the games are starting to come around now. All the goalies in general are starting to figure it out now and I think a big part of that is the series. Mm -hmm. At the beginning, we saw goalie A plays game one, goalie B plays game two. But then now we're starting to see some teams just roll with one guy. And now I think the goalies are starting to pick up on the other team's systems, at least in the offensive zone. And I think he's starting to figure it out to the point now where we're kind of getting some low-scoring games compared to earlier in the season when we had some kind of blowouts. And we kind of mentioned it before the season even started. We kind of were shaky on what was going to happen with the goalies because we weren't no with no preseason. We didn't know what to expect. And I think now the goalies are starting to finally settle in and figure everybody out and certain players out. I think that's why we're getting scores like this. Yeah, that was a very good point. I think some teams are realizing, hey, we got to. Uh, it's getting you know halfway point towards the season. You know, preseason's going to pushing towards the playoffs. Some teams are realizing, hey, we got to win if we're going to get into these playoffs, and it brings to a more intense game because they know they got to win. They have to win now. They know if they don't start winning, then they're not going to get in that playoff spot. Well, with this whole season, we've talked about it before, every game is being played in your division. You physically cannot afford to have a bad week. 
because you could drop two, three spots in standings. You could lose, I mean, two games is six points. If you lose those three, another team gains those three, you're already, it's been a week and you're six points behind. Like, for example, a team that can't afford a bad week is Calgary. They're 11 and 12. If they have a really bad week, they go on like a five game losing streak, something among those lines then that's going to hurt Calgary in a very bad way to where it's going to be hard to get back on track. Now, they it, they possibly could, but it's going to be really hard, so they can't really afford a bad week. So it brings more intense games for teams like Calgary and a lot of the close teams, like a team like Nashville. They can't afford a bad week. They're 11-14. and 14. They don't want to fall into the – they can't feel like – some teams fall into that category where they, they feel like they can't get into the 500 range. So they realize they got to start playing hard. Calgary is one of those teams that's on the outside looking in. The team above them, I'm pretty sure, is Montreal, correct? Uh, team above them is uh, Vancouver. Vancouver passed them. So that, exactly. Like we talked last week about the teams that were hot and cold, and we talked about literally everybody from the North Division because it was so apparent that there were three teams that were doing good, three or four teams that were doing bad. I mean, halfway mark is... Like, Tyler's mentioned it before. Like, push for the playoffs is only, like, the last couple so weeks. I mean, push for playoffs is kind of now. The matchups from the the week that we enjoyed, Tampa Bay and Chicago. This series was about as close as they get. Two of the three games went to overtime, with one being one with .1 seconds left, and the other going to a shootout. And those two games were split between the two teams. And then it, it was a major improvement to see Chicago, the team that we saw at the beginning of the season, you know, they, they began their, their first two games against Tampa Bay in Tampa as they raised their banner. And we were all looking at Chicago like, oh, oh boy, it's going to be a long season for them, huh? Now you see this series and it's a whole different team. It, like, is it not? It's so different. They've moved stuff around. They've moved their lines around. Biggest improvement Chicago-wise is they played both games in Tampa earlier, and they lit in five goals both times. Chicago's figured that out with their goaltending situation to the point where they're not really letting in any goals. So if you don't let in any, you should win, hopefully. And that's what they're kind of getting nowadays. I mean, Tampa Bay is a tough opponent to just go up against because it seems like every line on Tampa is capable of scoring a goal at any moment. And not every team is set up like that. But, I mean, props to the Blackhawks on almost turning it around in one season with some key players out of the lineup. Jonathan Taze, Seabrook. I mean, those are your top some of your top two of the, the main core. Yeah, they have some players turn it on. And uh, like Debrinket, he's got 28 points, Cuba League, and then Yanmark. And then one guy I've been really impressed by is Sutter. He's a rookie, and he's just been playing just out of his mind. He's been playing very good. And it kind of really helped because at first in the beginning of the season, it was it felt like it was only Kane out there. It felt like Kane was just isolated and, you know, teams would just really gravitate towards Kane because they didn't think they had any options. So now you're kind of seeing Debrinkin, Kubelik, and they, it looks, just, looks like they have a lot of depth that's coming into play now. And that, that's what's really helped them a lot. And then also, of course, the goalie play by Kevin Lankinen. Debrinkin has went zero to a hundred like he was non-existent in the first half or first part of the season there and then all of a sudden it seemed like that goalie change kind of mixed everybody up a little bit 
and they moved everybody around, and then Debrinket is just taken off. And I'm pretty sure he has like two overtime winners, just like by himself. Yeah, you're you're right, Evan. He's got two overtime goals. He's got three game-winning goals, so it looks like he's kind of coming up in the clutch a little bit. Great series between those two teams. Uh, the St. Louis Blues and Los Angeles Kings, this series is pretty good too, underrated, I think. Both games between these two went to overtime, with the first game being being tied late thanks to a David Perron goal and an overtime goal by Mike Hoffman for St. Louis, while the second game featured a comeback that was... Oddly, often a current this week, as LA they were able to beat the Blues four to three in overtime after the Blues were up three nothing earlier in this game, and this is more of a tale of this week. These these comebacks that we talked about, three zero lead. We've all heard of it. A three zero lead is the worst lead in hockey. That's a that's a pretty big saying among hockey people. This week was. Like, okay, yeah, if you got a 3-0 lead, prepare for overtime or prepare for a close one because I, I don't know. Teams, yeah, teams are figuring each other out, but it's like, well, shouldn't you figure out the other team too? Oddly, often this week that these comebacks just occurred. And oddly enough, it seemed like all the 3-0 leads, or big leads at least, happened so quick. And I'm pretty sure Dakota mentioned last week that, like, when you get these big leads, the other team has so much time to change what they're doing. And I think that's like a perfect example was this week. One thing I want to bring up is L.A. Now, the record isn't the best. It's 10-8-6. But I can't remember the last time I watched a game that L.A. played that they're like not in the game. It seems like L.A., even if they lose, it seems like they're in the game until the end. And I'm just really impressed by them. And you can never count the Kings out any game they play, it seems like. Well, it's amazing enough just to go to overtime six times. They've had to win some, too. Plus, you have shootout on top of that. Speaking of 3-0 comebacks, as we said, it seems that teams jump to that 3-0 lead early. And we saw that with the Pittsburgh and Philadelphia game, the, the second game. And this series overall, all three games were really good. This is another matchup of the week. The team in black and gold won two games this this three-game series, the Penguins. And it featured a lot of unlikely goal scorers from Pittsburgh in games one and two, while for Philadelphia, the expected goal scorers showed up for the Flyers. So it kind of shows you who who's expected, who's not expected. For Pittsburgh, they were able to, to have these kind of depth players come up big and even in game two, where the scoring, I mean, they, they had a 3-0 lead before the five-minute mark of the first period, and it was your unexpected goal scores, but then that was it. And then Philadelphia, they had their big guys, their big guns come back in that game, but it was just kind of, that series is just, is a good, this is a good week overall. I mean, th- there's there's a lot of matchups. There were a lot of matchups that were just like one game, such as like the Battle of Alberta, which I wish I could mention, but we're mainly looking at like series here. And this just this past week was probably the funnest week so far in the NHL. I think so. So looking on to next week, matchups to look out for. The New York Rangers and Boston Bruins. The Bruins haven't seemed to have been the same since their long New York State trip 
a couple weeks ago, and the Rangers, they're going through their own adversities on their team. So is two teams kind of trending kind of sort of in the same way, but not? Boston has a good lineup, while New York, they have young guys who are still figuring it out. So this one is just kind of an interesting, I think it would be like a, a good mental battle here. I mean, Boston on paper defeats New York, but the Bruins just have been kind of on the down on the downslide lately. The Chicago Blackhawks and Dallas Stars, these regular Central Division foes, face off Tuesday and Thursday night as the reigning Stanley Cup runner-ups, who were expected to do well this season, are they're, they're still cold this season, and they're up against the Chicago Blackhawks, who, you know, they weren't expected to do too much this season, and now they're doing pretty well for themselves. Two teams with different expectations, and now different results are clashing. So that's another good one. And the Vegas Golden Knights versus St. Louis Blues. Red Hot Golden Knights go to St. Louis to play the Blues, who have been, they've been winning the must-win games against teams you know, they're expected to win against. So the main takeaway from this matchup is to see whether St. Louis can be able to, to be able to contest with Vegas because we we see St. Louis kind of kind of slacking here and there the the games specifically that seven game series against Arizona where Arizona beat them in that series and it kind of sent a shockwave to the Blues and St. Louis like okay yeah you have a lot of your players from your cup champion team but now you're kind of mediocre and now they're up against Golden Knights team they're projected to win or at least be top two in this division so they've been able to win the games lately while Vegas has just been staying hot so now these two teams they're doing good now they clash so looking at the NHL standings is kind of difficult nowadays because everyone has different amount of games played because of COVID problems here and there so the only real way to see how good teams are is to look at their point percentages of like how many games they've played Vegas is the best right now so if everyone if it was a perfect world and everyone had the same amount of games Vegas would be first in the league so you really got to look at a team like that as someone you need to beat especially because in the standings they're games behind and for St. Louis if they want to stay in this playoff picture because the West is starting to get kind of close. They need to pick it up here. And like Tyler said, the mediocre Blues team, it feels like they have been hit by the injury bug, I think, the hardest of anyone. Just looking at their injury report, they have nine players on their team, normal rostered players, that are either out for the season, out indefinitely, or a couple of them are week to week still. I mean, nine players out of your, like, 18 that you bring to every single game, that's that's half of your team. Then you have to realize that Vegas even has games in hand on everybody. St. Louis has the most games played, I feel like, in the league. Do they not? No, the North Division leads in games played because they've never had any COVID problems yet. Vegas has 22 games played and has 33 points. And the next closest person with that is... 
Next closest team with that is Minnesota and Colorado and San Jose with 23. Don't St. Louis and like Anaheim have the same amount of games played? Because those are the only two teams that really haven't had any COVID problems in the West, so they've just played more. But Anaheim's at the bottom. Yeah. So An- Anaheim's true to what they are. Right, and so is St. Louis. So I don't really look at St. Louis as it's very hard to look at them as that second-place team with the amount of games played they have. St. Louis just seems inconsistent. Maybe their scoring has went up lately. They've really caught the net a little bit. The goaltending is inconsistent at times, but they're going to believe in Bennington and put them in the net anyways. I just think all of that, what you just said, sums up by they have nine guys on, they're injured. Like, you you, you have all, it seems like every single time I'm on Instagram, the Blues post of a video or a photo is like, oh, this guy's having his NHL debut tonight. It's like, well, shit, who got hurt? Like, someone, he's taking someone's role. Now on to cream of the crop, our favorite segment ever on the show. So good. Uh, we're, we're, so two episodes ago, we started this, <laughs> and we looked at the Honda West Division already. Last episode, we looked at the Scotia North Division, and so this week, we'll be looking at the Discover Central Division. So this is the segment where we look at specific teams who who we think are the best players on that specific team. So let's look at the Central Division, and it's ranked by reverse standings order. So the last place team will be first, and the first place team will be last. So let's start with Detroit, the Red Wings. I have Bobby Ryan. I have Philippe Hironic. I also have Bobby Ryan. The Dallas Stars, I have Joe Pavelski. John Klingberg. Joe Pavelski. The Nashville Predators, I have Roman Yossi. And I got Victor Arvidsson. Philip Forsberg. We have three different players there. Good job, guys. Nice. Way to be diverse. Columbus Blue Jackets. Cam Atkinson. I'm going to say one that I don't think anybody thought of. I'm going to say Oliver Bjorkstrand. Bjorkstrand? A little hard name to pronounce here, but Bjorkstrand is what I think it is. I'm going to say Jack Roslovic ever since he got traded over. Okay, now looking into the playoff picture. Chicago Blackhawks. I have Kevin Lincoln. Yeah, Patty Kane. I also have Kevin Lincoln and Florida Panthers. I have Aaron Neckblad. Got Barkoff. I have Huberdo. Carolina Hurricanes, Sebastian Ajo. I got the veteran, Jordan Stahl. I have another veteran, James Reimer. And finally, the Tampa Bay Lightning. I have Victor Hedman. I got Andre Palat. I also have Victor Hedman. We want to thank you all for listening to us this week. I'm going to leave it at that with myself. Dakota is going to do the outro this episode he is so excited to do this not hope you enjoyed this fanville podcast by you're not gonna you're not gonna ask us if we have any final thoughts what's our final thoughts that's how you do an out you just you 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 take everything we just dropped and you just gotta wrap it up in a nice little present and be like here you go no we're leaving it as an ungutted like just mess (laughs) just i do final thoughts first well i don't tell you bye and then be like and what's your final thought all right, any final thoughts by any of us? No, this? I have nothing. All right. All right. Now, point two. <laughs> I thought this week was really fun. I love this week. I mean, comebacks, shutouts, it was, it was awesome. No, to be honest with you, like, I, this was, like Tyler said earlier, was probably the most exciting week. Just, like I, like we said, like, every game you turn on, it was interesting to watch. 
even the blowouts were I didn't really mention blowouts, but even those had interesting and fun storylines. I mean, look at like the Islanders and Sabres. Three games in a row, five two score for the Islanders. Three games in a row. Toronto Maple Leafs versus Edmonton Oilers. Toronto like shut out the Oilers all three games. The storylines that came out were interesting. The games themselves, I mean, it's the same team winning over and over, but it's the storylines happening that were interesting. Now we look at Buffalo, and we've talked our fair share. We've played this sad little violin for Buffalo, and it's going to be played a little bit more. I feel so bad for Jack Eichel and everyone else. Just <laughs> no one, no one is contradicting me. No one is opposing me. We all agree. I and I feel most bad for the city of Buffalo. Personally, I I don't know how you can be a Buffalo citizen and look at sports and be like, I like sports. I Bills Mafia though. Bills Mafia is crazy, but it, it's doing better. But they've had a lot of hurt too. A lot. I mean, four Super Bowl appearances in a row. The Buffalo Bisons, minor league team. <laughs> I've heard they're pretty good. Yeah, they had the Toronto uh, Blue Jays playing up there. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's not your sports team, though. They, they'll adopt them. They don't have baseball. They need well, they probably already do because Toronto's right there. Hockey well, ain't doing it for them. Well, I mean, you know, before every game, they play the U.S. and Canadian anthem because they have a lot of Canadian fans at, at Sabres games. Yeah, I'm sure they adopted the Blue Jays as their team already. All right. So, that's that's my final thought. We're all pray for uh the Buffalo Sabres to one day do good. Just for once, just I don't, I don't even care if it's just one season they just squeak into the playoffs. I'd be happy with that. But we'll all pr- pray for the Buffalo Sabres. Their their chance to make playoffs was last year whenever they had 24 teams. Yeah. 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 Well, this season the division alignment did not favor them at all. One bit. <laughs> it didn't really favor the New Jersey Devils either, but they've kind of surprised me a little bit with some games that they've played. That division's stacked, and then there's like just two teams, and it's like, all right. That's our final thought on the final thought. That's our final, final thought. Final, final, final thought. All right, well, that's going to do it for Episode 9 of the Fanville Podcast. If you made it this long, I hope you enjoyed it. hope you had a fun time listening to this podcast and this crazy past week that happened. If they made it this long. Are we boring them? Did we bore you? It's a dreadful podcast. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I hope you enjoyed this fun podcast, this past crazy week of NHL (laughs) for Episode 9. And we will see you next time in Episode 10 of the Fanville Podcast. Bye, and have a great week. Bye.